0: Awesome. Won't we? not we stand together? And um, why do not we just take a couple minutes? Let's just uh, pray, shall we? We looked at last Sunday. We looked at the power of praying in tongues, and uh, just had some wonderful testimonies of people being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues for the first time. Um, if that was you, um, and you kind of feel, did I make that up in my head? Shall I let you into a secret? Everybody thinks that. Um, But in faith, just continue to exercise that gift. Remember, it's a language. You know, if you start to learn a language, even naturally, uh, you're not fluent after the first day. It's something that's progressive. So I find the more you pray, the more you sing, the more you start to speak in tongues, the more confidence and more power uh, comes. So why don't we just take a couple minutes. Let's just do that this morning before we get into God's Word. Come on, all of this place, let's just... Uh, begin to pray in tongues. If you've not yet got that, uh, that gift, and just in English, just speak the name of Jesus. <laughs> Es chi va da carro, si va da carro monoyona. Ora chi carro, si carro monoyona. Ora da carro, si da yana. Ora chi carro, da da sikayana. Ora ma si va da carro, si carro, sikayana shimanavo de O zimana Vodokorama masiva da Jesus 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 shavo doho Hoyana. ora shiva da ora shiva da yana sokoronoyono ora ziva da karomonoyono zimana dana ora masiva dana I just sense right now waves of the Holy Spirit. We're just creating waves right now. I believe people can be healed right now if you're sick in your body. There's just a wave of healing power. O Radada Carro de O Simanavo de Danayana, O Romo Ramosiva Danayana, O Ramazivo de Shikayana, O Simanavo de Coramana, koramana, Ramosiva da Carro Maziva mm. Danayana, O someone you 've been feeling for uh, serious fatigue right now I believe God is healing you right now he 's giving you strength and refreshing fibromyalgia right now we rebuke it in the name of jesus Ora shikaro doko yo, i shikaro soko yona. Hmm. Ora shikaya shikaya da 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 Ora ma da 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 yana. I shikaro mosoko yona, i shikaya na da 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 da. Ora shikaya da da da. Ora da, da bodo bodo kora shikaya shikaya Shono yo na. Hmm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You know, God never intended prayer to be something that was just five or six people gathered in a room on a, you know, a Tuesday night or a Thursday morning or whatever. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. For all nations. He intended prayer to be the beating heart of the church. Right at the centre of everything that we do. That beating, pulsating heart of prayer and intercession. Father, we just pray this morning. Continue to stir us. To seek after you and to seek your face. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Um, yeah, please be seated. And if you've got a Bible... um. Will you turn with me to the book of Nehemiah? Nehemiah chapter one. Uh, Those that were at the the Encounter Week on Thursday, um, I already kind of told you what I was going to be speaking on. But I just want to continue this this kind of theme that we're in at the minute on prayer. Um, But over the summer... (coughs) I was I did a series of messages um, called uh, the Gate of Heaven, and that's what I want to I want to continue to uh, to look at this morning. Um, I think it's part five actually this morning, but uh, it came out of uh, Genesis 28. Um, Jacob has an incredible vision where. Um, he sees a ladder going up to heaven um, and angels going up and down it. And he wakes up. He says, surely God was in this place. I didn't even realize it. And then he makes this incredible statement. He He said, surely this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. God's house is a gateway to another realm another dimension is supernatural reality. Uh, When we talk about God's house, there's two applications to to that. Firstly, there's a church. We are, as the church, we are the house of God. This is where where God lives by his spirit, but also you as an individual, you are a house of God, Amen. Uh, which means that your life is a gate to heaven. Uh, This morning, we have not come to a church service. We've not come to a meeting. We've not come to listen to a talk and sing a few songs and hear some interesting stories about what God's doing around the world this morning we have come to a gateway we have come to a place where we can access heaven this morning um a couple weeks ago I was preaching at at a church in the U.S. um in Missouri and um It's it's a church that is really really going after God and really going after the things of God. And uh, the pastor's been telling me, I've been a couple of times, about all these signs and wonders that they've been seeing. And when I say signs and wonders, I don't mean healings or miracles. I just mean signs that make you wonder. Um, Just supernatural phenomenon where there's no real kind of purpose to them other than it just kind of... Gets you to realize there is, some, there is another unseen reality uh, all around us. And he was telling me these stories. And I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, you know, I've seen healings. I've seen miracles. Um, but uh, the signs, wonders stuff. I've seen a little bit of gold dust. But that's about as far as it goes. Um, and uh, one night, uh, the last night I was preaching. And we came out of the church. And it was dark. Um, and he said, look up. Uh, what can you see? So I looked up and I saw this red light um, in the sky above the church. And um, my initial uh, reaction was, it's an aeroplane. Um, but as I looked, it was moving like this, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, that is not an aeroplane. It does not move that quickly and rapidly. So as I'm looking, I can see like wings um, so I was like, okay, it's the, uh, this me kind of trying to put a natural, I'm trying to think naturally, what could that be? Something that moves really quickly with, it looked kind of like wings. So I was like, it's one of those drones that people have, you know, I was like, that's perfectly rational explanation. But then as I looked, there were hundreds of them covering the whole uh, sky and as we were driving back from the uh, the church to the pastor's house, it was about a 20 minute drive and there were just these red lights flashing back and forth, back and forth in the sky the whole way and I cannot think of any n- natural Explanation of what it could be, other than the sky was filled with angels of fire, um, just moving back and forth over that region. Um, so um, God, God's cool, isn't he? Um, and sometimes God just shows you these things that uh, we are at the ha- we're at the gate of heaven this morning. We've got access to to angels, to miracles, to power, to presence, to glory. Um, Uh, And we've looked at this, we've looked at at being generous at the gate, generosity, opening up the gates of heaven. We've looked at taking over the gates of the enemy. And we looked last time at the miracle at the gate, the boy who was raised uh, from the dead at the gate of the town of Nain. Um, In Nehemiah chapter 1, it says this, I'm going to make you work this morning. I've not got the words on the screen, so you're going to have to uh, follow along with me. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, um, Han and I, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived in the exile and also about Jerusalem. The, the, the background to this is that uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed by the Babylonians and, and, and the vast majority of the Jews have been taken into exile into Babylon. Nehemiah is one of those people in exile. Uh, he's actually been really blessed. God has raised him up to a position of influence where he is the butler of effectively, to to the king, Uh, but there's still some Jews back in Jerusalem uh, that's been destroyed, and and they said to me in verse 3, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Um, I just want to share with you a little bit this morning, and then we're going to do some more praying. And I I just kind of want to share with you just some prophetic thoughts this morning about what I I believe God is saying and doing, not only collectively, but also to individuals this morning. Um, I believe the most important thing in any church are the spiritual gates of that church. Let me explain by that. In a city, particularly in an ancient city, the gates were the most important part of the city because the gates controlled the flow in and out of the city. Everyone say flow. When the gates of a church are working properly, there is a flow of heaven into that church. And and again, we'll talk about that you as an individual as well. When your gates are open, when your gates are working, there is a continual flow of heaven into your life. So when the gates are working, there is a flow of power. There is a flow of healing. There is a flow of miracles. There is a flow of the life of God. There is a flow of the word of God. There is a flow of God's wisdom and God's joy and God's peace and God's freedom. Uh, Not only are the gates open that way so that heaven can come in but also the gates are open the other way so not only is heaven flowing into a church, not only is heaven flowing into your life but also heaven is flowing out of your life as well. Heaven is flowing out of the church so there's this picture here of open gates where God is flowing into a church but God is also flowing out of the church as well, he's flowing into the city, he's flowing into the community, he's flowing into those places of influence with his life with his goodness with his power but sometimes the gates aren't working and Nehemiah they, they inspect Jerusalem and the gates have been burned by fire nothing can go in and nothing can come out I've been to some churches where they've got lots of people great preaching great singing great music great coffee great programs, great structure, great organization, but the gates aren't working. There's not that flow of heaven into the place. There's not that flow of glory in and out of a place. And I believe that any church is only as powerful as its gates are open. That you, we, can have great, we can have all the structure, all the organisation, great leadership, everything. But if the gates aren't open, we're not going to have any impact. God wants the spirit, and this gates are spiritual. This is not something that you can plan or organise. The spiritual gates are either open or shut. And in your life you can be a believer in Jesus, you can be a lover of Jesus, you can be a follower of Jesus, but are your gates open? Is there that open heaven over your life where the power and the life of God is flowing in and flowing out of you? and so Nehemiah undertakes this building project and, and, and many times when people preach from Nehemiah they, they emphasize that Nehemiah rebuilt the walls which of course he did but before he rebuilt the walls he put the gates in place the gates were his priority that flow of heaven that flow of his power and presence and glory that has to be our priority before we do anything else now, Nehemiah is a, a great leader, he's a great organizer, he's a great strategist. But also, Nehemiah is a man of prayer. And throughout the book of Nehemiah, you see the prayer life of Nehemiah. And I just wanted just to highlight, just briefly, uh, just four verses that talk about the prayer life of Nehemiah. Um, because w- what I see is this. That as we rebuild the gates, as we rebuild prayer, as we put prayer right at the heart of what we're doing, we are rebuilding spiritual gates. As prayer becomes, not just a prayer meeting, but as prayer becomes a culture, as prayer becomes a lifestyle, what are we doing? We're rebuilding the, gate, uh, the gates. We're creating that flow of God, that flow of heaven. When, when prayer is right at the heart of a church, we're opening up the gates. When prayer is, is at the center of my life, I am making sure that the spiritual gates over my life are open. And I, have this, I had this picture of a prayer being almost like a building project, that bit by bit, prayer after prayer, layer upon layer, we're rebuilding the gates, and we want to end up where we've got those gates open, but also there's a wall of prayer that's surrounding everything we do. I believe that for, for, uh, for many of us, it's like our prayer, has been in, our prayer life has been in rubble. But I think bit by bit, as we've been teaching on this and demonstrating this, as we're rebuilding that prayer culture in everything we do, we're rebuilding the walls, we're rebuilding the gates, we're getting everything back how God intended it. So uh, Nehemiah gets the bad news in. They said to me, those who survived the exile back in the province, a wall is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. And look at this verse four. When I heard these things... I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, and we'll just pause it there. First thing I want to say is this, that prayer gives us God's perspective, gives us God's heart, and gives us God's strategy. Nehemiah gets this terrible, terrible news that Jerusalem is in ruins, it's in a mess. And what was the first thing that Nehemiah did? He prayed. Before he responded naturally, he went to God in prayer to find out what does God think about this situation? What is heaven's perspective on this situation? I wonder if sometimes, you know, we get bad news or we get troubling news or we get disturbing news and sometimes prayer can be our last resort. And that's where all the worry and all the anxiety can come in. But I love Nehemiah said, then I said, after he prayed, the first thing he did, before he responded naturally, he prayed. I wonder how different our lives would be if we prayed first and spoke second? If we prayed first and thought second? If we prayed first and acted second? If we prayed first and tweeted second? What does God think about this? I get this news from the doctor. I get this news at work. I get this news from my kid's school. And the first thing I do is I go to prayer. What does God think about this? Before I turn on the news and I see all the chaos and all the worries and, and rather than allowing that to get into my spirit first I pray what is heaven's perspective what does God think about this I love what David said in the Psalms he, David um, is speaking in Psalm 73 about some troubling matter he says when I try to understand all this it troubled me deeply. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I tried to understand this. It troubled me deeply. But then I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood. David said, I was thinking about this and worrying about it and was concerned about it. And then I went into God's presence. And suddenly I got heaven's perspective on the situation. You get heaven's perspective and also you get God's heart. Nehemiah began to weep. He was burdened. He was broken. He was moved over the situation. I want to suggest to you this morning that that kind of burden only comes in prayer. Have you ever heard, you know, some? it could be a situation like, you know, we've just heard from Leone, or it could be about, you know, someone you find that's sick or just, just some kind of problem in, in life or in society or, or a need, whatever it may be. And it's like you kind of, obviously you feel bad about it and you feel symp- sympathy for it, but you can't honestly say that you're that moved by it. The movement comes in prayer, it's when you're in prayer that God gives you a burden, it's in prayer that God gives you his heart, it's in prayer that God breaks you and he moves you, Jared said it earlier on that prayer is not primarily about changing God, it's about changing us it's about our hearts are hard-hearted. Our hearts are stubborn. Our, our hearts are like stone. But in the presence of God, God melts us. In the presence of God, God breaks us. In the presence of God, God, God just, he softens our heart. He gives us his heart instead of our heart. When was the last time you were moved over something? When was the last time you were broken over something? When was the last time you wept over something? I find if I've gone, you know, weeks without, you know, tears in my eyes when I'm worshiping or reading the scriptures, or, or, or if I'm not moved over people that don't know Jesus, I think you know what? I, I've got to pray. My heart has become hard. My heart has just, it's become too hard to what's going on around me. I need to go back to the place of prayer so that I can get God's heart and God's burden for the situation. Hebrews 5, it says during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. When Jesus prayed, it was not just, it was not just saying words. It was not just going through a prayer list. He prayed with tears. He prayed with brokenness. He prayed with passion. I, it, was, it was Finney who said, there can't be a revival without Mr. Wet-Eye being in the audience. In other words, when the presence of God's moving, there's going to be tears, there's going to be brokenness, there's going to be a softening of hearts, and that comes in the place of prayer. So in prayer, we receive God's perspective, we receive God's heart, and we receive God's strategy. It was in prayer that God gave Nehemiah the strategy. Go and talk to the king and ask for favor with the king. Um, And so if we go into into chapter 2, it says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? And notice this. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. What I, you know, Paul tells us, doesn't he? Pray without ceasing. We have to break the lie that prayer, the power of prayer is in its length. Um, Nehemiah is having a conversation with the king and the king says to him, what do you want? And Nehemiah says, I prayed to God and answered the king. Now, who knows? He he doesn't say, "Can can you give me half an hour? I need to go away." Uh, you know, he, he's not saying, "You know, can someone just play music in the background for a few minutes?" Well, no. The the implication is this: that while Nehemiah is talking to the king, he's praying to God in his heart. And we have to understand that prayer, I love, you know, I love it when I'm shut in my room, the door's shut, and I can spend 30 minutes, an hour, just me and Jesus. But that is not the only thing that prayer is. We have to learn to pray on the go. We have to learn to what it is to be having a conversation with people, but in our hearts, we are praying to God. Uh, the Bible tells us that God gives us the desires of our heart. Which means that even a desire is prayer. Let me give you my definition of prayer. Anything that is God focused is prayer. So, a thought that is God focused is prayer. A longing that is God-focused is prayer. A desire that is God-focused is prayer. A song that is God-focused is prayer. Anytime, you can be in the car, you can be at work, you can be talking to someone, you can be in a job interview, but if your thoughts, if your desires are God-focused, in that moment, you are praying. Nehemiah touched the heart of a king not through a three-hour prayer meeting, but just while he was having a conversation, in his heart, he's talking to God. And God touched the heart of a king. The first kind of little prophetic thought I had this morning, I want to pray and prophesy there are going to be people here this week, you are going to have conversations, with people of influence and as you are talking to them in your heart you are going to be talking to God and as you talk to God about them God is going to talk to them about you God is going to touch their hearts and he's going to give you supernatural favor because this is what happens here Nehemiah gets favor with the king everyone say favor As Nehemiah is praying, supernatural favour is released. Uh, Supernatural favour comes into the situation. First thing that happens, the king says to Nehemiah, you are released to go back to Jerusalem and start this rebuilding project. I want to prophesy right now, there is a release coming. As you begin to pray, God is going to give you releasing favour. I want to speak right now over over our building project as a church. That as we pray, there are things that have been held back. There have been things that have been on pause. And right now, God is beginning to release those things. As God gives favour to people of influence in your life right now. There may be jobs, there may be promotions, there may be financial things. Where things have been on pause. But right now, there is a release coming as we rebuild the gates and the walls of prayer not only does he release Nehemiah but he says I'm going to give you the wood I'm going to give you the material that you need to rebuild everyone say resources resources As we pray, supernatural resources are released. I want to declare right now resources of buildings, resources of finances, resources of workers. All the resources that are needed to build what God is wanting to build. Released as favour, as we find favour with the right people at the right time. And then the third thing that the king says, he says, I'm going to send you an army back so that no one attacks you on the way. Everyone say protection. Favor brings protection. Isn't that what the Bible says? Doesn't the Bible say that favor is like a shield that surrounds us? I want to declare right now when if, if for anyone who feels like they're under attack, and it may be you're under attack from someone at work or a, you know, somewhat a, an actual person who it feels like they're coming against you, or it may be a spiritual, demonic thing, whatever it may be. I want to declare that favor surrounds you like a shield. That as we rebuild those walls gates of prayer and intercession favor is coming around you like a shield and nothing can harm you favor supernatural favor is released as we pray to God Uh, we know the story of Jesus how he was baptized and it says that as he came up out of the waters the heavens were opened But in Luke's gospel, there's a little detail that is in none of the other gospels. It says, while he was praying, he came up out of the waters and the heavens were opened. And that's what prayer does. It opens the heavens. It opens the gates. It releases favor, resources, protection. Things are released that have been held back as people begin to pray and seek God. Um, Let's go to um, chapter 4. And Nehemiah is a great book to to study and and we're only literally just skimming the surface. Um, It says in chapter four, when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall. I once played Samballot in a school play, by the way. (laughs) Just a little interesting tidbit for you. You can tell that I went to a very spiritual school. The schools did Jack and the Beanstalk. We reenacted the book of Nehemiah. Um... (laughs) Uh, anyway, when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. I, did, I played that to perfection. Um, he ridiculed the Jews. I was really good at that. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, and the army of Samaria he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they uh, restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Um, the idea here is that as Nehemiah begins to rebuild, opposition comes. Yeah. And we know that ultimately all opposition is spiritual. We're in a battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Um, The devil hates building projects. Whenever anything is being built, there will always be opposition. And the enemy comes here, he tries to ridicule, he tries tries to tear down what Nehemiah is doing. Um, I just have this prophetic sense during the worship that there are people here and you have come under attack, particularly in the area of your health. And right now, there are people going through real attacks on their health. And the reason is because God, you are in the process where God is rebuilding your ministry. I feel right now there are people in transition and you are transitioning from one ministry into another ministry. God is rebuilding and reshaping and reforming things. And as you are right now as you are moving into that, the enemy has come against you, particularly in the area of your health. Uh, but what does it say? Verse eight, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Uh, Verse 15, it says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. Everyone say frustrated. As Nehemiah prayed, the plot of the enemy was frustrated. And I read that word, frustrated. I think frustrated. I always think like a bit annoyed. So it was like the devil was a bit annoyed. I was like, okay, that's good. But, it, but when I studied it, that word, it means to cancel or to annul. The plots of the enemy were canceled the plots of the enemy were annulled. Uh, another word, it can also mean divided. Jesus said, if Satan is divided, his plans can't work. As Nehemiah prayed, Satan's plans were divided. Satan's plans were canceled. Satan's plans were annulled. I, I want to prophesy right now over those that are under an attack from the enemy. I want to declare right now, as we are putting the sheet, the prayer walls up, as we're building up the gates and the walls of prayer, I want to declare that the plots plots of the enemy are divided and confused over your life. The plots of the enemy are cancelled and annulled. What the enemy meant for harm will come to naught because God is with you and if he is for you, who can be against you? And then, then final scripture from uh, Nehemiah chapter 6 and uh, verse 9. This this verse has really been burning on my heart this morning. It says they all tried to frighten us, thinking their hearts will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. Anyone find it encouraging that even great people like Nehemiah got scared? But I I love this. But I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. Everyone say, but I prayed. Those three words are the link between your need and your miracle. Between your need and your miracle are those three words, but I prayed. Following on from but I prayed is a testimony, is a manifestation, is the victory. It says, Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed. Those three words, but he prayed, but she prayed, but they prayed, but I prayed. they, They have changed history. They have shaped nations. They have caused demons to tremble. They have transformed countless lives over thousands of years. They have turned the impossible into that which is possible. But who needs to hear that this morning? But He prayed, but I prayed, but she prayed. Those, whatever is coming against you this morning, that is not the end of the story. The end of the story is, but I prayed. But I prayed. But I prayed. Strengthen my hands. It's in the place of prayer that we get strength. It's in the place of prayer that we get power. It's in the place of prayer that we get authority. It's in prayer that we are empowered and anointed. It's in prayer that our weakness is turned to strength. The secret place of prayer is the place of strength. If you are weak, if you are afraid, whatever it may be, I I was thinking as I was um, just writing this, of that old hymn, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Amen. So it's it's in prayer that we are changed. It's in prayer that favor is released. It's in prayer that the enemy is defeated. And it's in prayer that we are strengthened and empowered. Uh, Just before uh, I hand back over to Jared and we do some prayer, Um, I just want to look at one more gate story from the New Testament. Acts chapter 12. And this is a story of Peter in prison. And there's a phrase in this story that again I just believe is so prophetic over what God wants to do. Um, It says in verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Acts 12 verse 6, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you, follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed through the first and second guards, and now listen to this. They came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Wow. And th- this was the, the kind of prophetic picture that God put on my heart. The gates of the city opening wow. by itself. Yeah. Peter doesn't need to hammer, he doesn't need to kick, he doesn't need to strive. There is an ease, there is a supernatural release as the gates of the city opened. And this is, this is what I, I, God just, I, I felt, showed me in the spirit. I see uh, the church gaining access into places of influence in the city. Yeah. I see pioneers going into new regions and the gates of those cities opening up for them and for the gospel. I see teams going on mission into cities and nations and the spiritual gates opening up. And I see the spiritual gates that control regions that are currently shut to the gospel opening and the king of glory coming in. Um, you say am to that. Uh, but, but here's what I just want to just close with it says the gates of the city opened by themselves now who's telling the story peter is right i know it's in it's in act luke wrote it but peter's the only person so peter's telling the story so it's like Me going to Jared saying, hey Jared, I went up to some gates and they opened by themselves. This is me, from my perspective, this is how I see the situation. But the gates didn't open by themselves. That's Peter's perspective. But there was something happening behind the scenes that Peter wasn't aware of. Verse 5, Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. It's like, hey, Jared, this was really cool. Some I was stuck in prison and the gates just flung open. It was dead easy. I didn't even have to pray about it. And Jared's like, I was up all night praying and fasting about it. From my perspective, it was easy. But behind the scenes, there was someone praying. And I have the idea that, Peter is stood there and the gates are opening and Peter's like, wow, this is really cool. I didn't have to do anything. From Peter's telling the story, the gates open by themselves, but actually it was the power of prayer that pushed those gates open. It was the force, the invisible force of prayer that pushed those gates open and gave Peter access into the city, into freedom. It says the church was, pr- was earnestly praying to God for him. And let me just uh, get these in your spirit. I just looked up every translation I could find. Just listen to some different renderings of that phrase. The church was earnestly praying. Other translations say this, and let these get into your spirit this morning. Prayer was made without ceasing. Fervent and persistent prayer was offered up. Intense prayer. They prayed for him strenuously. Constant prayer. Intense intercession. I don't know about you, I would have felt like slapping Peter if he'd have come in. It was like, oh, it was dead easy, guys. His gates just opened up. It was like, don't we? Intense intercession. Fervent prayer. That was the power, the force. That was going on. I can't tell you the number of times when I've been in ministry situations where there have been such an ease, and I know that was not. I'm, I'm more anointed today than I was yesterday. There's a power, a prayer behind what I'm doing. Um, I want us to, to stand to our feet this morning, and uh, if the worship team can come up. We've got about 10 minutes or so just to really go after God this morning. So I just want to leave you with those prophetic thoughts this morning that as we pray firstly God is changing us we're getting God's perspective on the situation uh, then God is releasing favour with people of influence God is releasing resources God is releasing those things that have been on pause God is sending protection The the plans, the schemes of the enemy are being cancelled. They're being brought to naught. Strength and power is coming where there's fear and weakness. And finally, just picture that the gates of the city opening up. Picture right now this city. Picture right now this region picture right now you know we've just heard of the nation that's opening up for for Leone and she linked it she said the intercessors have been praying in fact, what, a, what a, a confirmation she said when she went this week. It was like there was an ease in those meetings. She wasn't having to argue or twist people's arm. It was almost, what, what, do, what do you want us to do? There was an ease there, but what was what was the key? The, the intercessors are behind her, praying, pushing open those doors, pushing open those gates. Hallelujah.